Good morning. I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress. I'm one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And along with Reverend Sarah Verasco, with our music team, our AV and nursery teams, and the many folks who volunteer their time throughout the week to bring us to this place together, I get to welcome you. This is a place where we are learning to be together in the community that God envisions, which means we are always growing and we are always showing up in the best way that we can in that moment, knowing that that may be a moment where we are bringing some hard things about ourselves or our lives, and that even those things are welcome here, in this community, in this building in this witness that stretches beyond time and place. So whether you are joining us in the sanctuary this morning or online now or later, know that that welcome extends to you. On the first Sunday of the month when we have communion, we do not offer a separate children's church. This uh, service is intentionally intergenerational, so know that we expect some movement and maybe some noise throughout the service. And that's not just okay, that's, that's welcome, it's invited. It is who we are as we come to learn and to grow and to deepen in our faith. It's our tradition here to welcome one another as well. And so I invite you to join me in the words that are printed in your bulletin saying, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And this morning, as we are observing All Saints Day, and it is perhaps even more pressing on our hearts that we are part of a witness that stretches longer in both directions than we can see, let that welcome settle on you perhaps a little differently. Hear that as the welcome of many voices not just those here today. And here in that welcome and the way that it stretches also the voice of God. You are welcome here. As we breathe a little more deeply this morning, let that welcome settle anything in you that's feeling uneasy, maybe unhelpful for this time. If there are things that you know you want to return to, but you don't want to pay attention to them right this moment, you can set them aside. Sometimes it's helpful to think about putting them in a little basket right next to you there on the pew uh, or on a chair next to you if you're joining us from somewhere else. They'll be there. They'll be there in less than an hour for you to pick up. But for now, it's just us and God and this time that we are creating together. And on this All Saints Sunday, we're going to be spending time remembering and giving thanks. And in our litany that's printed in the bulletin and that will appear on your screen, there are pauses Allow for that 
brief time of pause to bring people to mind and heart. Let's join together in this litany. We remember, O oh God, We remember, O oh God, the tender touch of loved ones, the examples of heroes, the healing words of comforters, the remarkable acts of courageous ones. We remember, O oh God, the gentle Remember, O oh God. We are indeed surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It is our tradition on All Saints Day to read the names of loved ones who have died. And we do this as a community of faith because it is our job to be keepers of hope for one another. We do it because the burden of grief is easier when it is shared by others. And we do it trusting in the love of God that we do not understand and we are not gatekeepers for. We do it knowing that it expands even beyond what we hold witness to today. And so today we remember Bart and Valerie Nigro. Ben and Lola Santos. Bill Bensler. Courtney Hamaki. David Von Hatten. Forrest Jackson, George Newell, George and Isabel Rosticus, Jack and Opal Nicholson, James Warren Moore, Janet Nicholson, Joe Tool Zavala, June E. Thomas, Linda Anderson, Larry Siekman, Imcat Schultz, Nina Nygaard, Paula Heckman, and Susan. Rebecca Vinson, Richard Hammond, Ruth Howe, 
Sean Nolan. Steve and Jack Henderson. Tanner Van Duke. Tom Neville. Yuki. Wilson Howe with his beloved Ruth. And friends, if there are other names that you would like to add, as my gaze and my hand turn toward you, please feel free to say them aloud.
2020, some of you might have noticed that there was this renewed interest in St. Julian of Norwich. And it wasn't just in news sources, um, religious news sources like Catholicism Today or Christian Century, although certainly pieces turned up about her in those expected places. There were pieces about her everywhere from the Huffington Post to academic journals to the BBC and NPR. And as uh, English historian Dr. Janina Ramirez said, she is a saint for our time. The reason for the renewed interest was pretty straightforward. Julian had lived through a pandemic. She'd lived through uh, the Black Death or the bubonic plague, which as you probably know, had widespread devastation and loss of life across many places. And so faced with all of the questions that we were faced with in our time, almost 700 years later, folks were looking for guidance and for inspiration. And they found it in this person who only a year ago, most of us probably would have said, had no resemblance to us or our lives. Julian called to us in that time because of her faith and because of the wisdom that came with it. And so whether we were from a religious tradition that recognized saints with a capital S or not, we recognized in that moment that the title signified something, and it signified something unique. This collective search for spiritual yearning emerged. And we didn't just need another piece of inspiration or advice from the medical profession or a speech from a political leader, as important as all of those things were and continue to be. In that moment, what many people found that they were looking for wasn't just hope for survival, but for finding meaning when we are faced with these questions about life and death. And Julian of Norwich was absolutely and continues to be an amazing teacher in that respect. It was probably also helpful that she lived quite a while ago. Because sometimes having some distance between us and our heroes helps us distill their wisdom. We don't have to factor the things that Julian said through the obvious fact that we know, which was that she was also human. We just get the wisdom. All Saints Day does not leave us with that option. In fact, All Saints Day brings us face to face with this messy reality that most people are both saint and sinner, as the old saying goes. There's beauty in it. It's why we don't, for example, in our reading of names, only honor church members or even only honor Christians. We recognize that God shows up and keeps showing up in all kinds of ways. And it's not for us 
to define how that is or to find how that is for somebody else. But doing that does leave us to wrestle with some complexity. When we know our saints firsthand, we know some things about them. We might know, for example, that Aunt Mary really didn't like church that much. Or that Grandpa Craig had a really short temper. Or maybe Sister Nell wasn't so patient in the suffering. We have to see them with whatever human traits they actually have, the human traits that we might get to imagine that St. Julian or St. Francis or St. Christopher didn't have. Jesus knew something about this complexity. And so we're turning to a reading today from Matthew 5. This comes the Beatitudes, we often call it. It's familiar to many people. In Matthew's Gospel, this teaching comes as part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so when Jesus sees the crowds and he goes up higher to better be seen by them, he begins to teach. And he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called children of God. Blessed as Jesus uses it, is an honorific. Not so unlike saint. And so where the society of Jesus' time and ours see honor in prestige or position or financial status, Jesus dares to say that this blessedness is found on the margins. It is found in the messy places of life and sometimes in the messy people of life. I discovered a couple weeks ago that in Catholicism, claims of sainthood are investigated by a department called the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. We don't have a formal process like that in Protestant tradition, at least not in our particular very congregational flavor of it. Instead, for us, the congregation for the causes of the saints becomes all of us. And the measure is simply this. Was your heart 
touched and your life changed by someone? Did you come to know love better because you experienced it with someone else? In the spirit of honoring the saints in our lives, our intergenerational reflection this morning is a bit of iconography. And I'm using that term in a way that is broad, on purpose, but not irreverent. Right? The idea of icons is one that has ebbed and flowed throughout time and throughout religious tradition. But one of the elements that remains in any religious art form, including this one, is that it's not performative. Right? It's not just about the art. Creating the icon is an act of prayer. It is messy. It's imperfect. There are layers on icons on purpose. Because it is a way of expressing and seeking God's presence. And so in your bulletin, you have these little half sheets. They have just the outline of a traditional icon figure. We're going to spend a few moments here for you to fill in your icon, and I know some of you are already filled with anxiety, so remember this is not performative. You might also remember that um, icons are often depicted with symbols, and so if there is something that it's hard for you and you know you can't capture your loved one's face, you might find that way of seeking God comes to you if you capture the things that they loved, maybe holding them in their arms. And you might also know that icons are often depicted with animals. And so if a way that you are especially present to God's love right now through a saint in your life is through a beloved pet, you might focus on that pet and let it be held by the icon as a symbol of God's love. So you have plenty of hints and no one right way. We're going to spend a few moments here for this practice.
I think I heard some folks start to share with those near them, perhaps what they were drawing or if the drawing was eluding them, perhaps just who was brought to mind. Please continue that sharing. Uh, any of the kids who were in the back room also have this, and so they might have also started similar drawings. So those of you who had younger people here with you today, it might be an interesting thing to connect over um, and certainly continue any conversations that you got to start about uh, whoever was on your heart today. We do these kinds of things, especially on our intergenerational Sundays. We do them in recognition that uh, kids need different entryways into things than adults do. We never do things that are childish or that are just for kids. One of the things that we have learned about these kinds of opportunities is that most people actually need different entryways into things. So take from it whatever was helpful for you in this time. Maybe it becomes a journaling piece or collage or a continued drawing, but it is there for you. Let us rise in spirit and sing two, number 295 in our new century hymnal. I sing a song of the saints of God. <laughs> The communion table is a sacred table. 
given to each of us in equal measure. The only thing excluded at this table it does not matter who you are or where you have been. God has set a place for you here at this table. As we come together at this table, will you join with me in saying a prayer? We call this the prayer of the saints. It's a version of the prayer that Jesus taught. And so we say together, God of all times and places, may we see the holiness that surrounds us. We put our trust in you and ask for the strength to continue and expand the good work begun by those who came before. Give us bread for the world. Forgive us our mistakes and help us forgive them too. When we face temptation and trial, grant us your presence and courage, as well as the wisdom and grace to follow your way. Amen. And friends, we invite you to join us in a posture of prayer, whether that means for you extending a hand or two hands toward this table or any table that you're gathering at. Uh, we also remember that our presence and sometimes our words are ways of blessing as well. And so I invite you to join me now. May your grace and presence draw near, O oh God, and may our blessing of this bread and juice nourish all who receive from your tables. Nourish us in new and meaningful ways that the way of life and the way of love may be revealed. Amen. And it was while Jesus was at a table with his friends and his disciples that they did something that they had done many times, but this time was different. It's not clear if they knew it was going to be the last time they gathered or not, but it was. And it was at that table that Jesus took bread and gave God thanks and praise. And then he broke the bread and in its breaking was its blessing, and he offered it to those who gathered and said, take this, each of you, and eat it. This bread represents my body. It represents my very life that often led me to places where there was both brokenness and blessing. Whenever you do this, Remember me. Likewise, some sources say after dinner, Jesus took the cup, the cup that they had all been drinking from, 
and he poured into it again, saying to them, this is like my love, the love that flows through my veins as sure as blood. I pour this love out for you each time you do this. Do this in remembrance of me. This table that we gather around is not our table. It is not even this church's table. This table is Christ's table. And all are welcome here. We serve gluten-free bread and juice so that everybody can take together from a common cup uh, and plate. In a moment, there will be two servers in the back and two up front. If you prefer to have communion brought to you in your pew, raise your hand and somebody will bring it to you that way. All are welcome.
There was a church community that I was a part of many years ago in Connecticut, and there was a saint named Ray who was asked to pray for us. Um, This community had a tradition of having potluck suppers, and we learned that it was best to give the prayer after the meal, because it was a little hard to wait. That resonates with me. And so it is after this meal that we offer a prayer of thanksgiving. And and I mentioned Ray because this is how Ray started every prayer he ever offered. I don't have the accent, but just the words. God, how can we possibly thank you enough? And so in that spirit, I want to invite you to speak aloud or within the privacy of your own mind and heart something that you're grateful for. For what will you give thanks right now? Go ahead and say it. Just say it. Keep going. Yep, all of it. Say it. Yes. Yes. And for all of this and so much more, I want to join. I want you to join me now in the um, sign language for thank you is putting your hand to your lips and then extending it out. And at the same time, I want to invite you in whatever voice you want, whether it's your inside voice 